Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 4th of February 2015 and joining me on this edition are Assistant Editor Steve Withers. If you have to kill someone, never tell a living soul. Games Editor Mark Botwright. I can taste it in my spit. <laughs> and Audio Reviewer Ed Selly. Drugs changed everything. I don't know why we do these intros now, I mean we've been going, what, this is episode, what, 72 or 73? I think people know who we are now. Um, Steve, you were out looking for some pussy last week. Now nah, that joke's getting a bit... Yeah, long. I think you need to stop saying that, Phil, because my cat search has come to a successful end. And downstairs right now is Gizmo, who is busy exploring a new environment. <laughs> <laughs> Still sounds bad, doesn't it? This is no way out of this. And for your for the record, Ed, it's a home cinema, not a sex dungeon. And no more tied up in it. Yeah, you keep peddling that tired old line. Granted, it does look a bit suspicious when it's all blacked out and velvet everywhere, but Indeed, I assure it's you. a sex dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> In the same way that if anyone says to me, oh, we've got a hot tub. No, you have a sex pond. <laughs> it's all about terminology with these things. <laughs> okay, moving on swiftly. Um, Mr. Botwright, your turn this week. Tell us all about the competitions we can win. Uh, okay, well, we've still got the Sound Magic E10S earphones, which Ed was suitably impressed by. That competition ends on 5th of February, so... Tomorrow, from the perspective of this podcast. Yeah, Thursday so, for those get on with it. Attention. Yeah. Um, the Yamaha SRT1000 Soundstage, and that one ends on the 16th of February. We've also got the Devolo d 650 Plus Powerline Kit. Um, there's a review of the, the 1200 on the site now, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, um, that one ends on 20th of February, and we've also got the Blu-ray of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and that one will end on the 28th of February. So that's that the, the film, re- not the miniseries. All oh, right, so that's the recent yeah. film, not the, yeah. not the old Which miniseries. Which is very good, I have to say. I thought it was excellent. Hold on, someone at the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're going so slick as well. Easy yes. for him, setting the standard. <laughs> Right, so while we uh, wait on Mark, anybody see the Super Bowl last night? Who gives a monkeys about that? I understand that um, the Partucket Patriots, or whatever they're called, <laughs> did all right. Um, and um, yeah, and I understand it. All balls were if, if inflated to the correct regulation pressure and everything. So that's and, and yes, it, I'm sure it's you know, as I say, it, it's one of those things where you know I'm not going to get on my high horse. I mean, there are sports I watch that other people you know I watch Le Mans 24 Hours for Christ's sake. I mean that that goes on that goes on for even longer than the Super Bowl does. Um, yeah, and at no stage, nice at no stage does Katy Perry sing in the middle of it either. So I'm not going to get on my. But I I got to admit I like rugby, and American football just strikes me as what happens if you did rugby designed by a committee. <laughs> yeah, designed by a committee, <laughs> and in order to keep the television companies happy. But you know. It, it, however many millions of people thoroughly enjoyed it and good on them and it was lovely uh, I, I only saw actually sort of edited highlights but joking aside genuinely serious great to see Missy Elliott outperforming again because she's been properly ill last couple of years with a, a, a an illness called Graves disease and uh, she is now sort of back in recovering and that's oh for god's sake you, I, know, I know obviously you live in the 13th century but during the earlier part of this century Steve you know about when you were actually a bit younger she was a you know a very significant rap and R&B artist and she did some cracking pieces of cracking pieces of work and um, yeah she's back and it's good I'm pleased more importantly did you watch Charlie Brooker's Weekly White uh no uh, no I did eventually yes did you watch your film yes I did 
It was very funny, I thought. Absolutely superb. Just sweet Charlie. I've been saying that since I was 11 at French class. <laughs> it was really, really good. Uh, yes, although it is an acquired uh, taste because I tried to watch it um, with my parents and they just didn't get it whatsoever. Well, Laura had never seen it before and, and um, so I made her watch it and she thought it was really funny. So, um, and he is such a clever guy because if you watch the Black Mirror Christmas special, that was also really, really good. So a uh, bit of a renaissance man, old Charlie. Uh, for, if we're talking American sports, it's got to be NASCAR. Uh, frankly, no, <laughs> what is it about things just going round in a circle that you like, Ed? I mean, I bet you're fascinated by roundabouts and stuff with us. Or I live in Milton Keynes, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, concrete cows. Well, they're, no, no, they're not concrete, they're plastic. In that shopping centre, that Mediterranean style shopping centre where the minus five wind races through. <laughs> and the guy's got, the guy, I've got to say, whoever runs, uh, in fact, it's called Ed's Cafe. <laughs> if I remember right, in that Mediterranean bit of the shopping centre, he's he's got some high hopes because he was putting his tables and chairs out and setting them all while there's this minus five wind blowing through the whole place. Well, you heard there was a Scotsman in town. You didn't see it at its best, I'll be honest. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, right. No, both sets of concrete cows are indeed, as Phil surmises, they are a chicken wire monocoque or whatever covered in fiberglass. But no stage have they ever been made out of concrete. Yeah. True fact. <clears throat> Yeah, I read the little thing on the side. Right, um, that's a border, wasn't it? <laughs> um, hopefully Mark should be back from the door, unless it was the Mormons that have turned up. No, I'm back, and I came in to see that you've gone off topic already. <laughs> We're just killing time to you about that. Yeah, just killing time, and hopefully the listeners are still with us. So uh, let's move on to hardware news, and um, let's talk about finances, something that, that Steve should know about, uh, given his previous career, but then given that it's his previous career, maybe he wasn't very good at it. Who knows? Um, a good year for LG, Steve. Net profits soar 125%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, given that we've been talking quite a bit last year, particularly of um, how difficult some of the Japanese manufacturers are finding it, you know, you've you got to respect the Koreans. They're clearly coining it in at the moment. Both, I mean, I haven't seen Samsung results yet, but LG's results up 125%. That's net profit as well. So that's after tax uh, overall over the entire company. Clearly, a lot of that is driven by mobile phone sales, but very good to see that even the... Um, even the home entertainment section is also doing really well with a 31% year-on-year increase in their revenue. So given that how many other companies, and we're going to talk about that I think a bit more in a second, other companies aren't struggling perhaps in that area, um, LG clearly are in a very strong position, um, which is good to see because, I mean, if companies don't make money, <laughs> they don't make products. So they don't make yep. products, there's nothing for us to buy. Yeah. Uh, interesting, Ed, as well, uh, the results coming out of uh, Cupertino. Apple uh, just seem to rule the world at the minute. Well, I don't. I, I can't say I'm desperately surprised. I mean, the the one that that really sort of stewed my head was that um, they are Apple is now in on its own is 05 percent of the US GDP. Um, <laughs> They've got one hundred and twenty five billion in cash. <laughs> it's insane. Um, like those kind of reserves are just ridiculous. You know, don't get me wrong. They they have they, there have been some interesting articles that they have. Whereas um, Steve Jobs was sort of determined to, to to destroy Android in, if you like, on in, with, and was prepared to accept as much damage to his own operating bottom line, the way that Tim Cook appears to have gone about ensuring that Apple has remained competitive have been it's all about supply chain. It's all about making sure that if you want to do something, say for example, classic example I learned is the the fingerprint scanner in the 5s and the six. Um, Apple not only decided to do that, but then they bought 
the company that was doing that, that did the best one, thereby denying anyone else the opportunity to do it anything like as well. It's interesting because the Nexus Six, which is made by Motorola and my Motorola phone, have got this dimple in the back, which you know it's like a piece of industrial design. But it's uh, the um, Motorola CEO admitted that it was originally designed to contain. A, a fingerprint scanner but because apple now own the best in class at it no one no other phone manufacturer is able to get the results they actually want thereby if you like locking that technology into apple and going back to you know Steve pointing out that they are sat on a, you know a, a mount everest of money uh they can act to buy up vast quantities of stuff and sometimes they don't even need it um it transpires and it, it stuff is then sold out you know, without any real concern for having to make, get your money back on it. But if they feel they're going to need it, they just buy an enormous quantity of it and ensure that they have the luxury and the, and, and the, the flexibility to do what they want when they want to do it. And I think that is paying dividends. If you've got $125 billion in cash, you can pretty much do whatever you want. But if I was a shareholder, and God, I wish I was a shareholder on Apple, I'd be slightly concerned, annoyed that they weren't buying back shares and increasing their share value, um, personally. But um, I, I guess they know what they're doing. They obviously know what they're doing. They're the biggest company in the world, as you said. Was it half a percent of US GDP? Mm. I mean, that's bigger. So, they're bigger than most countries. <laughs> you know, and the other thing is obviously, um, in terms of their competition, from a consumer perspective, there are now actually quite a lot of good Android phones. But it does mean that there is no one single competitor sort of trading blows on a level playing field. Yeah, it's divide and conquer, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Like you know, I, I'm not 100% sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that the quality of the products coming out across various platforms actually is all is all pretty good. But nonetheless, you know, you, I, I, you know, I admire what Apple have done. I still need MacBooks to have a bigger keyboard if I'm going to buy one again. But, you know, that's by the by. Uh, they, good luck to them. Well, you see, I think the, the reason they are so profitable is probably because they don't have a TV unit. Um, seems to be. <laughs> yeah, that might well be. <laughs> seems to be if if you are in the TV market, you're losing money hand over fist. And Toshiba have decided to pull out of the US market, and by April, will have pulled out of all global markets apart from the home Japanese market. We maybe got the company wrong, Steve, but we knew one of them was at least going to go this year. Yeah, we said that last year. We said uh, we thought definitely at least one manufacturer would go. Um, wasn't a massive surprise to turn to be Toshiba when we were at CES um, a month ago. They had no TVs on display at all. You should not start a, a technology Deadpool each year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, um, I mean, so 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 far, Sharp have pulled out of Europe. Um, they're still active in the States and in, in Japan, but they've pulled out of Europe, so there's no Sharp TVs anymore, no Toshiba TVs anymore for us here. Uh, we really are reduced now to the big four, uh, which is Samsung, LG, Sony and Panasonic, and I'd be willing to take bets on one of those pulling out before <laughs> before too long as well. Well, there's some rumours floating about the internet. Um, we haven't put a story up because trying to hammer them down and get some actual uh, proof <laughs> is proving difficult, but there are rumours going about at the minute, and I think we're quite all right to talk about rumours, that Panasonic are looking at closing down their Chinese uh, factory because it's not profitable. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they're going to pull out the TV business. It just means that they're going to close one of their TV factories down. And for Panasonic, uh, it's something that they've been doing all of last year was uh, mothballing a lot of their uh, TV um, manufacturing plants. And obviously, uh, they're still going to be operating at a loss because it you know it costs money to mothball stuff. Um, 
but the interesting rumor going around and and like like we say it is a rumor at the minute and obviously nobody um talking about it other than the rumor mill is that they could close down their mexican factory now if they do that that has implications for the u.s market yeah i mean it's possible that they are just closing down these factories and they have alternative production facilities that they're going to use instead that are cheaper. But, um, you know, you know um, from the point of view of the US market, if they're not making them in Mexico, where are they going to be making them? It's certainly not going to be the US or, well, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe they'll move it to the US or something like that. But it doesn't look good. Uh, from our point of view here in Europe, obviously they're all made in Eastern Europe. Where, where's their factory? Is it Czechos? It's in the Czech Poland? Republic. Yeah, yeah, Czech Republic. Czech Republic, yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, but I think this is going to be a this is going to be a make or break year for Panasonic. They, they, they I think, by their own admission, perhaps weren't as good as they should have been last year. It was a transition year for them. No plasma moving into LED LCD lineup. Um, they used IPS yeah. panels. I don't think that went down well with a lot of enthusiasts. They yeah. are aware of that fact. And this year they are going to be using, uh, I think, almost exclusively VA panels in the UK at least. Uh, and certainly, if they, you know, if they deliver what they're promising, that could be very good. But you know, at the end of the day, TV companies. Um, well, the TV divisions of large manufacturers need to make money. And I think some of the senior management in some of these companies, and I think particularly in Sony and Panasonic, are, are you know, losing patience with divisions that don't make money on a, yeah, on a year-in, year-out basis. You know, they've got to run a company. So you know, all as much as we would like the, them to continue, um, it could be that they decide to pull the plug. And if they do, then they have far more profitable areas of mm. the businesses which will, will keep their name going. They're not, they're not that particularly bothered to be honest um when you're talking about companies the size of panasonic and sony at least um the interesting thing with panasonic is that they have basically bludgeoned their tv line um there are very few lines now um that could be all they needed to do was to streamline just make yeah. sure that they're selling the, the, right, um, selling the audi the right. effect isn't it so it's basically what audi and littles do they, they don't have a lot of choice but they get the prices right down Yep. And maybe that's the best approach. Rather than having massive lineups of different models, it gets completely confusing, concentrate on delivering a small range of high-quality TVs. Yep. And, and I guess we'll know in three weeks' time when we go and to if you're Sony, you if you're Sony, you don't change your model number and then you can sell last year's or the year before's model. Um, people don't it's know. It's really confusing for, for us, though, isn't it? <laughs> Especially trying to work out what the SEO is going to be. But it's the same uh, model number. Anyway, yeah. I'll be seeing their lineup tomorrow, actually, at the time of recording this podcast. So I should be going to see Sony's... Um, new lineup for for the UK for this year. So again, that'll be interesting. And then in three weeks' time, we'll see exactly what Panasonic have planned for the UK. Yeah, because we're going to their convention mm. uh, this year, again in Germany. Um, yeah, Frankfurt, to, isn't it? Yeah, Frankfurt. So, uh, Are Sony that, scaling back on the TV front then? Yes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean, they, everybody's, uh, was one? everybody's cutting the lines apart from uh, the Koreans at the minute. And even yeah. there, the, the, this year, Samsung didn't tell us what the model lines would be. Uh, they just told us what the technology was inside them. So it was one of the things that we didn't discuss, I think, from gaming with regards to CES was uh, Sony announced that PlayStation Now service would be on Samsung smart TVs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. as well as their own TVs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting, isn't it? Interesting that they did a deal. Well, I guess, you know, I guess well, they think do it, tend to run was... these divisions separately, don't they? So Play- yeah, PlayStation's was... not the same as the television division. Mm, but you think that would be kind of kept as one of their unique selling mm-hmm. points. You would have yeah. thought so. But then, you know, if you're going to get licensing revenue coming in, if Samsung's yeah. selling more TVs than you, that's more licensed fees that you're getting in. So, Sony's top priority at the moment is 4K uh, in terms of all aspects of 4K. And, and obviously 4K TVs is, is their TV division's um, main priority. And that's certainly the impression we've got at CES. I'm sure that will be the case when I see them tomorrow. Um, and, and, you know, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you look at um, 
market research, 4K is doing very well. You know, people are you know buying more and more 4K TVs, and I think the BBC has just done a survey, um, and they're looking at 25% ownership of 4K TVs within the next few years, which has meant that suddenly, whilst before it was never even on the table, I think they are now considering 4K broadcasting because, because they are because of uh, the way that they are funded, they can only do. Uh, or invest in technologies where there's a certain percentage of the yeah. population will have that technology in their homes. Yeah. And, and until they reach that point, they cannot spend any license fee money, which is fair enough, on new technology. Uh, what this poll does for them is it, it basically releases the keys to the safe so they can go and get some yeah. money and start investing in 4K, which is, got to be well, which a good, is good. It's good news. Do you know it? how, why I learned, I learned that there is a, spe- a specific reason why this came about? The, the rules locking in what the BBC can and can't do with licence fees to pay as money. When was the first time the BBC shot a television series in HD? What year? Mm, probably the 90s, late 90s. Mid-80s. Really? Believe it or not. What okay. was it they, what oh, they Give shoot? us a clue. Um, hold on, I'll find. I'll dig it out for you. I'll, whilst I find the name of it, um, but the, the thing is that even when they did it in in collaboration with the uh, a Japanese broadcaster who lent them a large amount of the equipment, it still cost an unbelievably large amount of money and was to no benefit whatsoever to anybody as there wasn't even, even in a professional sense, there wasn't even any way of really looking at what you'd actually produced at the end of it. So th- that's where the, the, the caveat that there has to be uh, reasonable, co- reasonable commercial demand for what you're doing before they're allowed it, to it actually kick off. It makes sense, but people can be a bit more tight with the purse strings when it comes to paying some of their staff and their map of management, really. Yeah. <laughs> they won't look at them when they're wasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, which is why a lot of them have moved over to ITV recently, because I think that, that, you know, that cloth is now being cut. Um, who is typing over the top of it? That's me trying, trying to find, find the name of this thing. TV show, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, how have you, yeah, how have you seen my television history? Here we go. Uh, yeah, shot it in 98, sorry, 88. For It's called The Ginger Tree, which doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> was, it, was it ever even broadcast? <laughs> uh, I, hold on, let's see. Uh, Never heard um, of it. Oh, I'll send you the link. So you can enjoy it at your own leisure. And we can uh, the, stick the it quote the Steve Hill, podcast. we'll put it in the show notes later. So, uh, yeah, but uh, no, I was, I was quite impressed by that. But that's the reason why they have to behave themselves now and they can't just go off and do, you know, randomly shoot EastEnders in 8K. Yeah, I, I, think the, like uh, I think the, the, the whole new IT system thing kind of put paid to that as well. Um, you know, I thought, well, did they spend 100 million and it still doesn't work and have decided just to can it now? To really screw up an IT system, you do need a government to be involved. Or government organisation. There's just no no parallels to just how much money you can wee away. Yeah. So getting back to another technology, which uh, BBC did do experiments with. They did do a few broadcasts, but like Sky, have now pooled uh, support of it completely, and that's 3D. No surprise, really, because certainly in the home, I know that, that, that you still get 3D films coming through the cinema, uh, but certainly in the home, it looks like the, it's just a feature now that appears on TVs and projectors. I mean, I've just had a projector through which, a uh, DLP projector, which you think the main selling point is the 3D picture and uh, there's no glasses yeah, to, uh, to test <laughs> to test the 3D. So uh, moving on to UHD uh, Blu-ray, high, uh, ultra high definition Blu-ray is what it's going to be called. Seemingly 4K confuses people. <laughs> 
You, well, she it was doesn't... only really Sony that were really hammering the 4K end, weren't they? <laughs> but I guess it understand. Pick one name and stick with it, gents. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So it's not quite four four thousand, but come on, 4K, four times HD. You would think that 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 if you're going to sell it to the public, the public understand that. I guess they're trying to keep it. Um, it's, I guess it's just trying to keep it. Um, Separate but, from the, well, from the cinema is, aspects. Yeah, well, what, what's happened? There's that side of it, and then the other side of it is, well, oh well, we're going to have HDR on it, and we're going to have uh, we're going to have uh, you know multi-channel sound on it, and all the rest. So we can't just call it 4K. We've got to keep everybody happy. Mm, yeah, I guess. I guess, Well, um, I don't mind what they call it as long as they release the bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is but, but you're going to um, be but you're going to be sad because you are a big proponent of 3D. Are you not? True. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the reason I feel saying this is because um, in a leaked presentation that was on, I'll, I'll give credit here, it's 4K.com of the site that leaked it. Well, they don't know they leaked it, but they got hold of it. Somebody's apparently got the specifications, the final specifications for UHD. And one of the things that's obvious is that, that ultra high def, so 4K discs will not support um, 3D. You still, you still can watch. No, that's 3D. 3D that's Blu-ray. 3D and 4K. Yes, let's exactly. Get, let's make that ultimate, 3D in yeah. 4K, no, but you can still watch ordinary blu-rays you know uh, full hd blu-rays with 3d now steve fine. this doesn't make any sense whatsoever because you would have thought for passive 3d the, the ultimate thing that you want is a 4k panel because then you get 1080 per eye well you can still do that can't you well it'd be scaled rather than be scaled though rather than native yeah yeah i mean i i i guessing they're looking at the numbers in terms of, of 3d blue i mean if you look at um states the number of 3D Blu-rays being released is falling every week. You know, I mean, Disney, for example, don't release their stuff in 3D on them, even though the movies are made in 3D, like Big Hero Six, for example, which is out the cinema right now. That's um, that's been released in the states pretty soon, I think, in the next couple of weeks, and that's not available in 3D. So they've obviously thought it's just not a big enough market anymore. And I guess, you know, as you said, it's not been a massive success in the home. And so why bother when you're already trying to get more important things into that specification? Like, for example, I mean, just reading through it now, if you want, um, obviously, it uses HEVC codec. Um, it's um, 3840 by 2160. Um, it's got 10-bit uh, uh, video depth, um, BT2020. Um, oh, up to BT2020, I should say. Uh, color sampling is 420. And um, video peak bitrate 100 megabytes a second, megabits a second, sorry. Um, HDR support, uh, and then frames, frame rates up to 60 hertz. Uh, yeah. Doesn't include 48, I notice, <laughs> in that frame rate. Good. Uh, Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> 24 frames a second, 25, 50, 60. So, right. yeah. Um, I mean, so the, the thing that sticks out there is 420, and a lot of people are going to say, well, why are they not doing 422 or 444? Um, because, you know, for all the extra data that that would require, you're not going to see any difference. But that's basically it. It's yeah. four two zero. Live with it, and yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't notice any difference anyway. The big difference is obviously ten bit uh, bit depth. That's the big difference. That's the big one. That's what's going to stop uh, banding and all the all the rest. It give you better gradations and make things look really nice and wide. So. And I think I'm also quite keen. I mean, having seen some of these demos already at CES, you know, the wider color color gamut and um, and the high dynamic range also will really improve the 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 impact of the image. I think it's going to it's not just going to be high resolution. Things are going to look really impressive as long as the demos are done well in stores. <laughs> um, it can look really really impressive. Well, I mean, the, the best you. the best demos we saw were in the Samsung room. Uh, they were calibrated. Uh, properly calibrated yep. to DCI uh, P3, uh, they were shown HDR, wide color gamut. It was Exodus, uh, Gods and yep. Kings, or whatever it's called. Yep, um, 
Yeah, picture quality wise looked absolutely stunning, and that was on, that a, was on a big screen, eighty-eight inch or a seventy-seven mm. inch. Well, it, 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 you can never tell in these big rooms because seventy-inch screens look tiny in big rooms. But it was a big screen; it was dead impressive. Um, yeah, gets my vote. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we have all we need to do is actually announce all this stuff and get on with making some players and yeah. hopefully get some studio support. Okay, so let's move things on um, nice and swiftly. Before we go to upcoming reviews, uh, we have a competition at the minute for the Yamaha SRT 1000, and you've just reviewed it, and hopefully it's lived up to the hype, Steve. Yeah, it has. No, I mean, I think, you know, Yamaha have been pioneering soundbars for a long time. They're probably, I think the first soundbar I ever saw was a Yamaha. You know, there's a company that's been doing soundbars for a long time. Soundbar market is now very saturated and um, there's been sort of a move into alternative versions. So you've had things like stereo speakers, good old fashioned stereo speakers, but also what's been called a sound bass or speaker bass or sound plinth. There's lots of different names for it, but basically it's a, a big speaker that goes under the TV, so TV sits on top of it. And um, the SRT 1000 is Yamaha's first sound base. Uh, and uh, yeah, very impressive. You know, when you've got the experience that they've got, you know, you know what to deliver in terms of both design and features and performance. And the SRT 1000 hits them all perfectly. Uh, it's, it's a beautifully designed piece of kit. It looks gorgeous, well made, good solid build quality. You now you can have, you can take your TVs up to 55 inch screen sizes. Um, it's got a, a black brushed metal finish with a metal grill at the front. It uses um, their um, sound project projection technology. So basically there's eight drivers in the front, uh, two woofers at the uh, either end. And then uh, in the base, there's two subs and there's two ports at the rear. And basically it bounces sounds off of the, the walls around you. So you get a nice open front sound stage. And also you get a bit of reflections around the sides and rears to give you that more of an immersive quality, which really works. I mean, obviously it's dependent on the room to a degree. You need kind of reflective walls either side to make it really work. But assuming you've got a, a normal rectangular or box-shaped uh, lounge, then it'll work in that. Um, the sound quality was really good. Very impressive sound quality. It worked really well with movies and with TV, but also sounded really good with, with music. It's got um, two optical digital inputs and one coaxial digital input. It's also got analog inputs, and it's got Bluetooth apt-x. Um, one thing that Yamaha are really good at is making it easy to connect to their devices. There's no this sort of having to press a pairing button or hold a button down for 10 seconds to get it to start pairing. Just select Bluetooth and it immediately paired with my phone. Brilliant. Um, the only thing that's missing, uh, as I'm going to criticize, if I'm going to criticize or anything, is there's no HDMI inputs or outputs, but that they seem to be unusual or quite rare on sound bases for some reason. So that's one my one complaint. Otherwise, though, stellar performer, uh, you can pick it up for 350 quid, or if you're lucky, you can win it in the competition. But uh, I gave it highly recommended. It's a great, great. So, like uh, HDMI, why is that annoying, Steve? Well, you know, you think about it. You can um, first of all, by not having um, HDMI, you don't get uh, on-screen displays. Um, you don't, you can't use the ARC aspect of the television if, if the TV's got it, of course. And just generally, you know, I think people like, although I'm not a massive fan of HDMI because it can be quite flaky, and maybe you could say that's a good reason not to have it. But generally, I think people like to see HDMI inputs and outputs on, on their devices these days. Um, and there is, for example, a, a Samsung um, sound, sound base that we reviewed last year that had both HDMI input and output. But it does have a really good uh, remote app that you can use to control it and also do all the setup for it. So things like you can put dimensions of the room in and the position of the sound base in you know, with respect to the, to the walls in order to improve the effect of the um, you know, sound projection and immersive quality. So um, not, uh, it's not like you're going to totally miss HDMI, but I think in this day and age, a lot of people expect it to be on devices. But certainly in terms of um, ease of setup, control, performance and design and build, 
or top draw. Okay, uh, let's move on to upcoming reviews. And Edward, you have been living in the 80s. Well, yes, it's been very exciting because I have been uh, playing about with one of the most iconic names, brand names in, in, in the business. I have been uh, spending a bit of time with a Sony Walkman. Uh, thankfully, at no stage have I had to uh, rewind a cassette by using a pencil or uh, do anything like that. This is an entirely solid state hard drive based digital Walkman, uh, the snappily titled NWZ ZX1. And I don't want to give too much away, really. Uh, I have reviewed it and I've tried to establish whether there's still a requirement for a dedicated audio player. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it makes it's an interesting piece of equipment. And I think having spent a bit more time with it, it makes more sense than I thought it might. Let's leave it at that. Uh, well, there were also we managed to get a bit of a, a buy one, get one free for Sony reviews uh, because Sony bless them, sent along a pair of their flagship headphones, the MDR-Z7s, to accompany it, just just in case they were worried that I didn't have any headphones in the house, you know. Um, and, <laughs> they don't know you, do they? Well, they don't know. Um, and there's a lot, a really large amount of interesting and, and totally bespoke technology went into them, and I haven't played about with it. Yes, uh, not least because a, a review that was supposed to happen this month uh, the company in question is having a bit of trouble getting all the bits together. So these heroically stepped into the brute. So there's, a, if you like, there's two back-to-back Sony reviews and they relate in part to each other. But what I think is really, it's sort of as a separate note to that and just lurching back to what we were talking about with um, television companies and dropping out of markets and the like, these are the first Sony products I've spent some time with uh, in a while, and then I've also tested another pair of Sony headphones f- elsewhere. And I have to say, after years where I really felt they were just phoning it in with their audio products, these genuinely have a bit of, you know, innovation, a bit of flair, a bit of the old Sony mojo is back with them. Now, as, as I say, one of the products uh, I've issued a, a recommended badge to, one of them I haven't. I'll leave it to you to, to you can read them and... and read my decisions and violently disagree with them but both of them whether they get a recommended badge or not at least there's evidence that sony's doing some they're doing things because they believe that's the way that it should be done and there's genuine desire to innovate and do clever things and i haven't seen that in a while and i'm really really pleased to see it again just a, a quick question ed uh, the output from the walkman to get the high res audio is it restricted in any way it's very hard to uh, because you it it you can't really sort of hack them open and see what they're do- manufacturers tend to get upset if you uh, go inside them. But there, I will say, and I go and mention this at length in the review. There is no other. There's no phone I've spent any time with or tested or listened to headphones on that can get anywhere near the output of that Walkman. It is. It has. I mean, high res. I mean, don't get me wrong. In terms of in terms of band uh, frequency response. As I understand it, most Android 4 and above phones, and certainly all iPhones from the 5, even though playing high-res on Apple products is is a, a legendary ball ache, there's no reason why the frequency response isn't up to the job. But the, the headphone out, so someone has put a lot of effort into the headphone amp of that, that ZX1 Walkman. It, it, and the very fact that you can drive a pair of 550-pound headphones off it without any real signs of strain is a suggestion that it, it's pretty damn good. Okay, I think I can guess which one won the badge now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
I'd love to subvert your expectations, but yeah, you're probably right. Uh, anything else? Yes. Um, just in case you don't want to spend £550 on a pair of headphones, and I ask, you know, obviously what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> we've got the Sound Magic uh, earphones for testing. Sound Magic have been busy making other things. So we've got the Sound Magic P30 on ear headphones, which are yours for £70. Uh, which I have uh, given the full review treatment for. And then in a rare rush of blood to the head, I've actually gone and reviewed an AV product. Um, another Yamaha product, but that's that's in part a, 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 an accident of geography. Rather than going all expensive again, this time it's the RXV677. Uh, yours for, well, list is 550 um, Such is the nature of these things. I think you can find it for a bit less if you shop around. So this is a bit more real world um in a world outside of atmos all right so it doesn't um, do interdimensional sound then is that what well, i described the other day <laughs> interdimensional sound <laughs> <laughs> frankly i think that that would probably be a good, a good strap line for it but no i i've given that a, a, a good a, a good once over so to speak and uh yes uh I, I hope that you find the uh find find the findings on that to be interesting as well okay and uh I, i've got an audio product to review steady <laughs> uh, quite an interesting one one that I've taken quite a bit of interest in and thought well I want to hear this for myself so I'm going to review it and that's the XTZ Cinema Series speakers um, lots of discussion on the forums that I haven't kept up with at all so I don't know what the latest discussion is but um, seems to be popular there uh, design seems to be interesting so I'm going to have a look at them they should be turning up this week Excellent. I look forward to it. And Steve, you're uh, moving across to do a bit more on the movie side of things. Obviously, Oscars coming up, uh, big time for movies and some big discs hopefully coming up in the next few months as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, if you think about it, there's tend to be a lot of um, a lot of films get bundled around towards the end of the year because of the Christmas market. Also, because of the way the Academy works, if you're not um, in a cinema in L.A. and New York before the end of the year, you don't you know, meet a... Uh, uh, the criteria for um, nomination. So you tend to get a lot of films bunched up towards the end of the year. And obviously by that sort of three-month cycle that usually goes between cinema release and hitting the home cinema market, um, that means that films that came out in November and December will be hitting uh, hitting the stores um, in terms of Blu-ray in February and March. So this month and next month, we've got a lot of big stuff coming out. Um, you're going to see, um, certainly in February, you're going to be seeing... Um, uh, the Maze Runner, I'm not so bothered about that personally, but you've got uh, Game of Thrones Season 4. They always look fantastic on Blu-ray, definitely worth checking out. Fury, the Brad Pitt tank movie, that's coming out. Pitt tank movie. That's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, next month, uh, there's Mocking J Part 1 coming out and Interstellar and The Hobbit. So got a lot of big titles coming out and obviously a lot of big titles coming out at the cinema too um, as we start getting through this. Uh, Jan- Jan- January tends to be a bit quiet for the reasons everything's been pushed out in december um but in march we've got um well um first of all we've got in in february there's going to be uh jupiter ascending which is the new um movie with the Wachowski siblings uh that's that's definitely something we're looking forward to there's a new film black hat the new film from michael mann coming out this month and um there's an interesting film I'm looking forward to called Predestination with Ethan Hawke about time travel that I think that's pretty good. And they're moving into, um, well, not so much March, but definitely when we get into April, big, huge month as far as I'm concerned, because we've got Fast and Furious 7, which I saw the, which I saw the, uh, 
the um, Super Bowl spot for where they drive a car between two buildings, two skyscrapers, which looks great. Uh, and, Aven- and Avengers Age of Ultron. Can't you just do that on any street yeah, in Manhattan? Yeah, you can do that anyway. Can you? <laughs> uh, or am I missing a, a, yeah, a subtlety? But, in no, but, driving out the window. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fine, okay. <laughs> driving Showing out the building. Showing off then. <laughs> yeah, and just ignoring gravity, really, but fine with me. Um so there's some big stuff coming out. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. The next three months are always going to be really good for uh, disc releases and movies uh, before we hit the sort of big summer period. But um, I think obviously Age of, Avengers Age of Ultron, um, which is on 24th of April, is, um, is going to be the big release, one of the big releases of the year. I've now had the the first big disappointment of 2015, and I guess I, I should have saw it coming. But I watched the Super Bowl uh, trailer for Jurassic World, and um, looks shit. I, don't know, I watched see, it and thought it looked all right. Actually, I'm yeah, quite I wasn't too. Well, you see, the, the thing is, yeah, genetics, uh, making dinosaurs, that kind of thing. Uh, I can suspend disbelief, but when he's using them as sheep, the you know raptors as sheepdogs. Basically, well, that's it, though, Phil. Right? If the, if the raptors are the good guys, what the hell have they created in the lab laboratory? What's this mutant dinosaur going to be like? I mean, that'd be fun. And I, I like Chris Pratt. I think he's quite a good leading man, quite charming. So, you make it sound like one man and his dog. <laughs> well, it is. It's one man and it's his dog. It's, it's one yeah. one man and his four raptors. Well, we look at the trailer. I, I don't know. I have. I don't have. You know, sky high expectations. Therefore. If I go and see it and it's not complete bobbins, I'll be would be mm-hmm. relatively satisfied. Well, one thing I will say is that looking at that trailer compared to the the pre-release trailer that we saw tail end of last year, CGI looks far better. They've obviously had time to work on it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, does that look big, the giant thing in the water looks better. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but I, think, I don't know. It just get, because he's using the raptors as, as basically sheepdogs. That, that just kind of oh Jesus. That, that's, it doesn't bode well that everyone kind of prefaces sentences with will I set my expectations low <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what Mark we can play the Deadpool game on because you know there's quite a lot of big films coming out this summer at least one of them is going to tank so we got to be trying to guess which, which film is going to bomb <laughs> it's I mean Jurassic World has has a lot working against it it's but it doesn't have the same uh, supporting infrastructure as some of the other films coming back after a lengthy hiatus Star, Star Wars etc Terminator, so, yeah. I think, could struggle I th- in a, I think in a Termin- crowded marketplace. Yeah. I think Terminator yeah, there's is... A, there's uh, a conspiracy theory that that's deliberately being set up to be a complete pus-filled mess because Cameron wants the the um, franchise back. So he's well, just he's basically... Well, he's making it, though, so how... Well, no, but he's, he, he does have it. some sort of role in it, and he appears to have just been there making a series of spectacularly poor decisions. <laughs> um, also, Fantastic Four... Um, reboot so soon after the last attempt just seems like desperation on the part of Fox trying to squeeze every last dollar out of their Marvel franchise is that not just to renew rights as well well that's that's it and also that I think this version is going to be in the same universe as um, as the X-Men movies you know because obviously they're all looking at the shed loads of money that Marvel's been making out of their unit cinematic universe because Marvel have done it properly you know they've They've taken their time. They've built up to the first Avengers movie. They've hired good writers, good directors, really good actors, you know, and they've produced some really good films. And the second batch of movies, Phase Two, as it's called, I mean, you know, I think they've delivered in spades. With, with I think Captain America was a genuinely good movie. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was really entertaining and fun, and um, you know, even Thor: Dark World was, was was good. So, you know, I, 
yes, they've made tons and tons of money for Disney at the moment, but I think that's because they've, they've, their approach has been so spot on. Now, you can't just replicate that by having, you know, films. I mean, look at DC, who are now getting utterly desperate in their attempts to try and emulate that success with their Superman and Batman franchises by having them lumped together almost immediately. I think that's. I think that could be the in 2016. That could be interesting to see what happens with that movie. I hope all the comic book movies fail. <laughs> I think you might be might be overstating quite how badly it can tank. But yeah, I suppose anything can happen. Well, 50 percent of the market disappears. That's to start. There is a bit. Remember the old days in the 70s when like Superman the movie was a big deal because no one ever made comic book films with, with any kind of decent budget. They were all just crappy TV shows and that sort of stuff. And now it's every other film's a Superman superhero movie. It's a fact. It, it, the the fact is, it's gone too far. I mean, the, the Superman movie where the, the destruction in the last third of the film, and you're thinking, how many people were killed? <laughs> you know, how, you know, billions of dollars worth of damage and all the rest of it. Although, but, although apparently that is going to impact the storyline of um, Superman versus Batman. Um, that the um, the destruction that he wrought upon. Well, he's got post traumatic shock. No, I just think the government's a bit annoyed with him, and he might get a big bill. <laughs> he's got good insurance. I've got good insurance. I tell you. I do. <laughs> Have you you're, been you're injured at work? The, 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 I'm afraid, Steve, the Incredibles have already done that. Oh, yeah, they have, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. There is, no, there is no original idea left in filmmaking. <laughs> you may as well just cut it all off now. Just, just devote everything the, the to The only thing left now is satire. They've already done that too with Kick-Ass. So. And um, <laughs> that wraps up hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> we went a bit off tangent there, didn't we? <laughs> Uh, games, games news next, and we'll tr we'll try and just keep it in. All right, Mark. Am I allowed to ask a quick question of Ed before we go on? Well, go on Very quickly, what's the build quality like on the Sony Walkman? Uh, phenomenal. Oh, good. It is. It's a it's a jewel like thing. I just wanted oh, yeah. to know simply because I'm kind of in the market for one, and my old one has uh, I dropped my old Sony Walkman in a cup of tea, and <laughs> it's it's still going. So now you see, the yeah. problem is that this has got a whacking great aperture in the bottom for the USB socket, and I don't know how it would survive that sort of thing. So is the one that I dropped in my cup of tea. It is beautifully made. I'm afraid Sony probably are going to get upset if I submit subject it to the tea test. Mm. The only thing I would say, Mark, is that I'm trying to line up. There's an an old brand that's been reactivated, uh, re reimagined, that's restarted again, called Acoustic Research, and they've got a port, a personal audio player, and it looks really good, really clever. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to see if that's some cop as well. Of course, Mark, you could read the bloody review. It hasn't gone up yet, in all fairness. Yeah, but he's, ah. an, he's an editor. He, he can get into the CIS <laughs> and look at it. I've got an answer for everything, haven't you? Right, can we go on now? Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on to games news. Uh, Sony consoles to get Spotify. Uh, by that headline, Mark, I am assuming that they don't have Spotify at the minute. Yes, you'd be correct. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Sony's uh, had a Music Unlimited service. They had their own service. Um, a lot of people felt that it was kind of unnecessarily pushed towards the front of the, the feature set for the PlayStation 4. Um, and so, therefore, that was the main way in which you could get, um, you know, custom soundtracks into your games and the like. Uh, it doesn't seem as if uptake has been particularly good hence why it'll be scrapped at the end of March, and then they'll be phasing in PlayStation Music, which will cover the same ground, but they've got this exclusive partnership with Spotify, which, by the sounds of it, will include both the free version um, with the ads and the ad-free subscription model, um, which obviously makes quite a big 
big difference. Um, well, the, may the, sound like a minor thing. That, Sorry? Ma- that makes a big, big difference because uh, it just appeared on the Roku 3, uh, maybe just before Christmas, the Spotify app, but you have to have the premium account to use it. Mm. Um, which is going to put people off straight away. You know, if you can use the free service and get the ads served to you, then fair enough. But I think expecting people uh, to use an app um, where they have to pay for the full premium service straight away, not a good move, my book. No, exactly. Um, but it's 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 a great way because obviously Spotify might be slightly worried about um, competition from other services to come out. Um, but also it, it gives Sony another... Another feature which, you know, seems to be a key selling point, which is if you're, you've you got the ability to link your PlayStation account to your Spotify account. So, therefore, if you're already a subscriber and you're in the, in, the, in the market for a console, it kind of makes that a little bit easier if you consider the price throughout the year that you'd be paying. Yeah, and uh, what's the... What- would be the audio quality on that is is that limited bandwidth or yeah it's three well it, presumably uh, i believe a stipulation of getting an app onto any platform is that you don't mess about with spotify's encoding or compression which would mean as a premium subscriber you'd be looking at a 320k og vorbis um file which by right. and large i've never had too much of a problem with the way that spotify sounds and they've never They've never made, you know, outlandish CD quality claims. I'm perfectly happy listening to it. And I imagine there's a soundtrack and, you know, just adding a bit of experience and a bit of fun to to your gaming as well. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. It's interesting you say that, Ed, because, I mean, I'm quite happy with Spotify on the main PC running through um, a couple of Channel X on low volume for background music. However, recently I have uh, used Tidal. Yeah. And uh, I did a little bit of back-to-back um, with Spotify and with Tidal, what a difference! Oh yeah, oh, don't don't get me wrong. I don't want to underplay what going lossless can do, but I I do think people are going. Oh, why isn't Spotify going going lossless? Spotify has a, a different approach and a different business model, and I don't think they're going to rush into well, go, it's a, doing. It's, it's a different demographic straight away. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, don't, don't get me wrong. Tidal is capable of. I've got to say, I read read your review and stuff, and I'm really quite sceptical about it until I heard it for myself through a decent pair of gens, and um, it's just coming off a sound card on the PC. I mean, it's a decent sound card, but it's just a sound card, and um, really impressed with it. Yeah. It helps. that It's other little things. There's actually some stuff in the background. Um, The way that the desktop app works with... USB and you can actually select. Oh well, I, I, I PC here. I, I imagine Macs are the same, but I don't want to second guess. With a PC, obviously, you can select your external USB DAC as the source, and you don't have to select it in Windows. So you can continue to have Windows notification and other guff come through on your computer speakers, and then titles just sent separately to the audio, which is good. Makes a big difference as well. Uh, sorry, Mark, we kind of got sidetracked there. On you go. <laughs> and that's games news. <laughs> well, before, well, before we wrap it up there, um, you have an upcoming review of the new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, yes, uh, fingers crossed that should be coming through soon. Um, it's it Basically, if, if people aren't aware, um, Nintendo have this long history of a slightly kind of iterative approach to constantly updating their handhelds with small improvements and the like. Um, and this time they're, they're adding in slightly more powerful processor um there'll be a small c stick which is a, a little kind of secondary analog nub uh basically for this camera <laughs> only sounds phallic i'm afraid well i i use nub rather than most people are saying nubbin 
So, and I think that's worse. <laughs> um, Both aren't good, to be perfectly No, honest. exactly. <laughs> but it's basically for, for camera control and the like. Now that you've got, obviously, three-dimensional games, it's the idea of just a camera that seems to try and automatically finds its place or that you can't control on the fly. It, it's, it's a bit clunkier without having that second stick there. Um, but one of the big selling points uh, will hopefully be, from Nintendo's point of view, near-field communication on it so you can use the little amiibo figures so it, it lines up with what they're doing with the the nintendo wii u as well cool and that is games news and that is games news Okay, let's move on to movies, and uh, you've only got one choice. You've put two in the running order here, Steve, but we are over time, so you have one choice. It's either oh, or. Um, so, what's at the cinema, Steve? It was a good weekend at the cinema for me, because I got to see two genuinely good films, Inherent Vice, which is Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, which is excellent. Uh, don't expect there to be much of a coherent plot, but it, uh, enjoy the journey, basically. It's, it's it laugh out loud funny at times. It's got a great cast. Uh, it's beautifully shot and made. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The other film I saw, which I saw last night, and Kaz's review is already up, went up about a week ago, actually, um, is Kingsman, The Secret Service, which is a new film from Matthew Vaughan, uh, co-written by Matthew Vaughan and uh, Jane Goldman, who is Mrs. Um, Jonathan Ross, and also based upon a comic book by Mark Miller. So it's the same team, basically, that did Kick-Ass, and in that sense, it's a very similar approach, whereas Kick-Ass was basically um, taking an amped-up, approach to a uh, satirical approach to comic book movies this is very much a similar vein but this time it's um, b- um spy movies and particularly the classic 60s and 70s bond spy movies that kind of you know the over-the-top plots the, the megamaniac villains um the gadgets uh, the locations etc um it's that approach and th- their view was very much and the reason that they developed it um, both the comic book and the film was because they felt the bond itself had got all serious, basically trying to chase the, the you know the Jason Bourne kind of approach to, to um, spies, and they thought, "Where's all the fun?" And, it, and you know, the fun that used to be in the Bond movies has kind of disappeared a bit. And that, I would have to say that's probably true. This um, so this film is very much in the, the old traditional vein. So you've got all the elements that would make up a classic Bond film. The big difference is that it's full of swearing and really, really violent. I mean, how it got a 15 certificate, I don't know, um, but I have to say, I. Th- I really enjoyed it. It was really funny, good, great fun, entertaining, exciting. Um, you know, I'm very much like Kickass. I think you were a big fan of Kickass, weren't you, Phil? And, and for the reasons that it was really fun, yeah. it was funny, it was fun, it was entertaining, and it and it, it, it nailed its subject perfectly in terms of in that case comic book movies, and in this case spy films. So you've got Colin Firth who's playing the kind of you know James Bondy character, the gentleman spy. You've got um, a young guy who you know who's, who's a bit grown up on the, on the wrong side of the tracks but has a connection to um, uh, Colin Firth's character. And, um, you know, he brings, brings him into the secret, into the secret, the Kingsman, which is the secret, the secret, the secret service operates beyond any government. And um, he goes through their training program. And at the same time, there's um, the main villain, which is um, Samuel L. Jackson, who's basically a kind of an internet billionaire who's got some nefarious plan to take over the world or change the world, should I say. Um, and um, yeah, absolutely loved it. It was very funny, very enjoyable. Um, you know, an easy, solid eight out of ten for that, and also eight out of ten for Inherent Vice too, which I also thoroughly enjoyed. Very different films, of course, but both of them were extremely enjoyable. And so, could I choose between the two? I don't know really. I mean, if you're a Paul Thomas Anderson fan, you definitely want to check out Inherent Vice. I, I, um, I will be checking that out. Probably not at the cinema. 
but I will be checking it out. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could. It's quite a long movie, so it would be one that you'd enjoy on, on disc too. It will look beautiful. He shoots it. He shoots films really well. There's lots of long takes in it that really draw you into the action. It's got a nice seventies look about it too. It's set in 1970, in fact. And um, well, I, I was um, discussing this with you earlier on, and I think he's he's one of these directors who doesn't make it obvious that you're in a certain time frame, but you know you're yeah. in a certain time frame. You know, he doesn't flag post things up with, you know, over the top wallpaper and that kind of thing, so you know it's a seventies, but. Um, just the, the way that he sets things, the way that the sets are dressed, the way that the, the actors and stuff are dressed, you know you're in the 70s without having to be pointed out to you, basically. And yeah. um, his, his kind of meandering storytelling as well, I'm thinking like Boogie Nights and Magnolia, um, some of my top films, top 10 films. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got a similar kind of, I mean, both those films don't really have necessarily a coherent plot a lot of the time. They tend to go from A to B. And it's the journey itself that makes them enjoyable. It's the character that you spend time with that you enjoy and the quality of the actors involved. And it's the same with Inherent Vice. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is extremely funny as the hero who basically is a massive stoner um, called Doc. And um, I think he actually might be a doctor. It's not made completely clear, but it's just that he is, which is kind of terrifying in itself. Um, and also you've got Bigfoot Bjornsson, which is played, who played by Josh Brolin, who is really funny too as this kind of like brutal copper um you know who's not too good on civil rights but also wants to be a bit part-time actor um the, the, honestly there's some stuff in it that i was absolutely yeah laughing i, I, I do of. like his characters in these films you know some it yeah. some it, uh, it's usually john c Riley that plays the <laughs> plays the oddball <laughs> yeah. one you know he, uh, he was the oddball cop in magnolia and he was also um uh the the right hand man to dirk yeah. diggler wasn't he in in Boogie yeah. Nights and yeah uh, is it brock landers was that brock him? landers that that's him was, yeah, yeah i can't remember now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's got, again, like a lot of his films, there's lots of really quality actors who pop up, you know, sometimes just for a single scene, but they're all quite memorable. And, um, yeah, it's, it was, I thought I did, I did really enjoy it. Um, even though it's whatever, two hours, it didn't feel like two hours. And by the same token, you know, for a very different type of film, but the Kingsman, Kingsman, um, was great fun too. So, um, uh, both of those I thoroughly recommend and, um, um, it's up to you which one you choose if you're going to see one film, but, uh. They're thoroughly enjoyable movies. Okay, uh, coming up this Friday, this is a new feature, by the way, listener. Um, coming up this Friday, Steve, at the cinema, um, what can people go and see? I briefly mentioned it earlier, but opening this Friday is Jupiter Ascending, which is the new film from the Wachowski siblings. It was meant to come out last year. It got put back. Not always a good sign. Maybe it's be that one of us wanted to move away from a crowded marketplace and put it out in a month when things are more quiet. But it does get alarm bells ringing, but it certainly looks very interesting in the trailers. You know, it's basically a sci-fi epic. You don't get sci-fi as much these days. And certainly um, Guardians of the Galaxy did very well for Marvel last year in, in a similar field. And it's got Chang Tatum in it and Mila Kunis. Um, I'm quite looking forward to it personally. I, I, I think, you know, whether they succeed or not, they're always interesting filmmakers. And, and, and the interesting thing is um, Kunis um, is Meg. <laughs> Yes, uh, you just think that Meg's voice is really super hot, Mila Kunis. Anyway, she's, uh, th- th- it, that's coming out on Friday. I'm looking forward to that. Also coming out this Friday is Selma, which is the Martin Luther King movie that is nominated for Best uh, Film, but was some people would consider snubbed somewhat by uh, the Academy in terms of the acting categories. Um, it's got a British actor, David Oweyelo. He's up there with for the you can't pronounce their bloody names. Um, he's uh, he's very. I have to say, he does look and sound an awful lot like uh, Martin Luther King. Um, and haven't seen it yet. Looking forward to that, though. I think uh, it's one of those sort of films that you know, I guess you could say that 
the uh, the point of it's kind of obvious, a bit like 12 Years a Slave, you know, okay, slavery was bad and the civil rights movement was a struggle. Um, I'm just amazed it's taken this long for Hollywood to make a film about Martin Luther King when you had a, Martin, um, a Malcolm X movie years and years ago from um, from uh, Spike Lee. But that's coming out on Friday as well. And the other film coming out on Friday, and I've already seen this because it's on Netflix if you want to watch it in the States, um, is The Interview. That opens on Friday. Uh, I can tell you it, um, it's got way more attention than it deserves. And um, sometimes freedom of speech is a bad thing because it's bloody awful. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, but bloody, it just, I, I like Seth Rogen actually, and I like James Franco, and it's rubbish. It's yeah, but it funny. just it just proves though that there's no such thing as bad publicity, though. Is no, it? Quite, I mean, Sony quite. could not have paid for that type of PR. It's obviously one of those, you know, they were stoned and thought this is a funny idea for a film. It wasn't guys, and it certainly didn't, you couldn't string it out for an hour and a half. It's yeah. A, a, a if if you look at Team America. Which is in the same vein, you know. Yeah. After the well, that was funny. <laughs> that well, that, that's what I mean. That was funny, but I think it was funny because it wasn't proper characters. You know, it was puppets. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so they took it out. That that level of reality was taken away from it, so you could see it for the ridiculous thing that it was. Um, I think it's just that. I mean, I've as I said, I've been a bit of a fan of Seth Rogen. I think over the years, I've enjoyed some of his stuff. But it's just he's they're getting repetitive now. It's the same shtick over and over again. It's the same jokes basically, and. You know, I found it puerile and boring and not funny. And and at the end of the day, you know, they were paying the guy $18 million for this. And Tony should ask for their money back. <laughs> okay. And uh, Stefan, the, the uh, Blu-rays that are released next week. Stefan? <laughs> well, you're talking about mispronouncing people's names. So. Mm-hmm. That's, thank you. That's, um, that would be, that sounds quite cool though, Stefan. I like that. Or Steph, even. Stefan Withers. <laughs> Stefan Withers. Stefan Withers. Stefan Withers. I'll tell you what, the Chinese and Japanese could not say my surname when I lived up there. <laughs> it was a real struggle for them. Uh, anyway, uh, Blu-ray release next week. Uh, we've got The Maze Runner and Dracula Untold. Um, Maze Runner is basically um, one, of the, one of the current trend of you know young adult novel adaptations. And Dracula Untold um, looked absolutely appalling in the trailers i'm really glad to say that Cass has put his hand up to review both of these so i haven't got to um um good luck Cass. i hope you enjoy them i thought they looked crap in the uh, in their trailers and i haven't seen either of them and i have no desire to but they are out next week if that's your cup of tea okay um right so we're going to move on to a subject which has been um quite popular on the forums it has been a trending topic um endings of a film that stayed with you so i'm going to start this one off just so Steve can uh, catch his breath, because I imagine he's going to do quite a bit of talking here. Right, so movie endings that stayed with you, and there's there's one that just pops in my mind straight away because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting to see the film that I did see, which was um, uh, The Usual Suspects. I'd actually gone to see something else that weekend, and it was completely sold out. There was like seven screens showing this other film and this one screen showing Usual Suspects, and we had to go and see Usual Suspects because the other one was sold out. Ending stayed with me. We had to travel 50 miles to get to the cinema. This is when I lived, in, obviously lived in Scotland, so it was 50 miles to Edinburgh or 50 miles to Newcastle or 50 miles to Carlisle. It didn't really matter which direction you went in. Didn't remember the car journey back just because of the level of debate, the way that we were, we were talking about that film. And it's the first one that popped into my head. So, Mr. Botwright. Well, there are lots that kind of... Uh, I think twist endings tend to stick with you more, but I would go for... Um, one that I always remember more than I remember the film, which is The Third Man, just because it's it's the kind of melancholic, unhappy ending that, and it's it's such an iconic scene, and it's it's so well shot. That's the one that I kind of always remember. That and uh, I don't know if if you're talking kind of going out with a bang, then perhaps the end of the Wild Bunch. Ed, um, 
there's two for me. Uh, the first, and it's not a twist ending, um, is the ending to the German film Stalingrad, which is quite, by, by a comfortable margin, the single bleakest ending of any film <laughs> I've ever seen. You think, mm, maybe maybe something's got... No, no. And I don't want to spoil anything other than that. It stays with me because literally no no other film has achieved quite the bummed out, uh, you know, that's, um, it's, it's quite something. And then I suppose there's two, and both, of, I need to stress that I think both of these films are pretty terrible, but I'm impressed that they actually decided to go with the way they did. There's the Nicolas Cage film, Knowing, um, <laughs> And it, the, I thought, you know, there'll be some method of, you know, there'll be some 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 way they'll 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 avoid catastrophe in some way, shape, or form. No, pretty much everyone on planet Earth dies. Um, and then the end of Terminator. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I was going to say spoilers, but actually, don't bother it. watching it, people. <laughs> no, don't, don't bother. Worry. And then obviously, end of Terminator Three. Uh, I have to say that's the, the single vaguely redeeming feature of an otherwise completely it's the, terrible It's the film. only redeeming feature of that film was the fact that they, they went ahead the way they did. Yes. In and a I similar thought, light, I'd like to add the end of Doctor Strange Love for having the balls to do that too. <laughs> I don't know. That that strikes me as less of a whoa, uh because the the way that it was going. Like you, you felt that there was always... that was Yeah, but you know, put it in context of when it was made. Yeah. <laughs> Straight I after I the machine missile crisis. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, point taken. Well, those are mine. Okay, so Steve, I'd go for three different types of endings. So there's a there's a sort of twist ending approach. I've always um, actually a double whammy actually because it's got a great twist about three quarters of the way through, and then a really great ending as well, which is Fight Club. Yeah, I, I love that, that. that. was the other one. That, time my lifeline is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was the other one that popped in my head recently. Um, in terms of feel good ending, Short Time Redemption. Everyone loves the ending of that. Um, you know, you can't not feel. I, I, funny enough, I watched it the weekend and. Um, it's just, you know, you can't not feel good at the end of that movie. And um, I bet, I my bet personal... You, I bet you were crying. I bet you were in tears. Well, not this time round, but when I first saw it. <laughs> Although I wish they had actually kept the original ending, because the way it originally ended was with his voiceover going, and I hope the Pacific is blue as it is in my dreams. I hope. And then the bus going off in the distance. He doesn't act... There is no scene where he meets, um, you know, uh, Tim Robbins' character at the end. But the test audiences are going like, hang on a minute, aren't they going to meet up? So they had to shoot that sequence on the beach and add it in. I still think I preferred the I Hope ending because it's more ambiguous. Um, but for me, without doubt, hands down, the most shocking ending ever that stuck with me ever since I saw it is the ending of Don't Look Now. Um, uh, with oh, the, yes. With the red coat. I'm not going to say any more because if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to ruin it for you. But trust me, it is unbelievably shocking. And but it so works both as a, both from as a left, shock. Yeah. And totally also, to, you go back and watch it again. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, it's, everything it's on its head. totally left field. You don't see it coming and it just absolutely i guarantee anyone who hasn't seen that film see it it's a fantastic movie um but that ending is gonna take you for knock you for a loop every time it's unbelievable that would be my number one i mean obviously there are loads of great great endings but that's the one that stood with me stay with me forever for 30 odd years now so just to wrap up on this feature um what was the main consensus in the thread then steve uh, what what were the type of things that people were were picking up well usual suspects uh, i was gonna say the usual suspects turn up but i meant actually <laughs> that in both senses of the word the usual suspects <laughs> is one of them shawshank seven taxi driver i mean i think we're all you know yep fair enough um the descent uh, is a good one uh, yeah. that's got a very um you, you're not you're not expecting what happens to no. uh, leo when he comes out there out of the elevator you're not expecting that. 
Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, no, no, that's the. Um, oh, sorry, that's, that's the departed. The departed. Oh, good one though. Good one. The departed again. That's a, a surprise. Uh, the descent is the one with the girls potholing. Ah, uh, that's it. Um, yeah. Neil Marshall film. Film got a great ending. Actually, speaking of um, uh, surprise endings, have you seen To Live and Die in L.A.? A bit like The, the Departed. That's got a, a shock surprise just before the end, which you don't see coming. Oh, certainly I didn't. Uh, knowing gets a nod, Ed. Um, for bleak what, endings, what you, mean, you mean two people have seen that film? <laughs> I've seen it as well. I've it's, seen it. Uh, one thing for Cuckoo's Nest. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a bit of a that ending stays with you. I think. I guess for for a bleak ending, I'd go for The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> that's pretty bleak, isn't it? Luke lost his hand. Darth Vader's his dad, and Han Solo's frozen, and the Empire's given the rebels a good kicking. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he gets a robot hand. That's true. Then he finds out his, his girlfriend's his sister. Which pretty... Yeah, but the creepy thing is that Lando dresses his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when Lando turns up in the Lego movie and trying to chat up all the girls. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> uh, oh, Terminator 3 gets a nod as well, Ed. So you, you were there with that one? Well, as I say, it's the, it's the single bold thing that that film did. I yeah. don't uh, even think I saw the ending. Oh, the miss gets the a nod. reasonable bit of the whole thing then. The, the mist has got a, a divisive ending, I'd say, is the best way to put it. Uh, with the prestige, I was—I mean, I love the film. I've actually guessed the uh, twist the halfway through, but uh, but I think yeah, yeah that's I, th- the... I think the most disappointing one was Sixth Sense. I got that, but about five minutes into the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When he gets shot, basically. <laughs> <Hang on a laughs> <minute. laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, let's let's say about um, M Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong the better. I think the one trick pony. Although, uh, oh, and, although, Carter. although unbreakable. I've got to say, yeah. Although yeah, he, get, like although he gets, it gets a kick in, Unbreakable is probably his masterpiece, I think. And I was thinking about that last night because Samuel L. Jackson plays a supervillain in uh, Kingsman, and obviously he's a villain in Unbreakable too. Uh, not quite in the same mould, but yeah, I guess uh, 2001 has quite an unusual ending, doesn't it? What about well, for yeah, general endings? It was on. The whole film is a bit bonkers. <laughs> in fact, actually, this guy's listed um, Bruce uh, Bruce Leroy. Fair enough. You've just said, don't look now. Excellent. I don't agree with that. Carrie, yes. Brazil, yes. And Vertigo, yes. All four. Films are very memorable endings. So, oh, Planet of the Apes. How about that for an ending? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, by the way. Why is everyone speaking English? No, look, there's the moon up there. I must be back on Earth. But <laughs> yeah, See, I think that, that, but that kind of illustrates how certain endings stick with people just because they're so far out of left field. It, it, you know, it's like writing a story when you're a child and saying, you know, and then we all woke up and it was a dream. I'll go for endings that made me cry uh, and also for being one of those rare third films that really works, Toy Story 3. That was a pretty good ending. And then before the ending, the bit when they're all... can't about Toy Story 3 at all. Oh, you've just become bitter and jaded in your old age, haven't you? What do you mean, become? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, uh, Toy Story 3, it wasn't it this Christmas, maybe two Christmas, it was the first Christmas that it was on BBC uh, on Christmas Day and we had a full house and everybody was sat glued <laughs> watching it uh, and i'm talking about there wasn't any kids it was they were all adults um everybody sat mesmerized watching it i, th- I think it's a great film i think it's i think they're great they, they i think the they're gardens. great films they're, all three of them are, are absolutely astoundingly good films the um the bit when they're all holding hands waiting to die is really quite shocking <laughs> and i was thinking like, they're not going to kill them all are they so uh yeah that's a good movie Obviously, you know, you have to have a heart, Ed. Well, that's been failed then, isn't it? <laughs> I don't do schmaltz. <sighs> that, that, about, that about covers it, Phil. 
Well, the thing about this is you obviously don't want to say too much because you don't want to give away the endings, the, re- the really good endings to films that people haven't seen them. So it's a bit, it is fraught with danger. Considering I've had 300 calories up to this point today, I think I've done pretty bloody well. Thank you. Mondays is always <laughs> that's now why you're a day of unbridled misery. Right. I think I'm you, in a particularly to, bad mood, all things considered. You, you need to change that then, Ed, because we record yeah. on a Monday. You need to be changing it around. You need to be drunk. Yeah, you need to be drunk and full. What, in the middle of the day on a Monday? Because yep. there's nothing like collecting That's my son from nursery. Reeling. <laughs> yeah, that'll go down a storm. Yeah, fine. All right. My favourite, though, with regards to twist endings, and I know it's a slocky film, and I know a lot of people do hate it, um, but Angel Heart? Oh, never yeah. seen it. You've never seen it? No. Very good. Good adaptation, actually, from the book. Um, and I, the reason I like it is simply because I like when there's a twist ending, a bit like with the prestige where all the clues are actually lined up throughout the film. Yeah. And so you can go back and rewatch it again and see that there are hints within the script and that kind of thing. Like with, with don't look now as well. It's the, the one thing that I kind of slightly begrudge the usual suspects with. It's the fact that mm. it, it's not really a twist in the sense that you were given any clues. It's just saying, this character turned out to be the oh, bad guy. Yeah, although it, it it does start to flash back through though, where he's been getting all these taglines for his stories. So like, uh, Kobe oh, yeah, Ashi he, porcelain and exactly, but you never see that or anything. On, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry we're interrupting you, Steve. What is your ringtone? That's not the ringtone. That's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I know what you're saying there. And another one that worked for me as well was Memento. Because you kind of start at the end and work your way through. Yes, back yeah, to back to front. A different, different way of doing it. Yeah, but again, that, that was another film where I was at the end of it, two or three days later, still thinking about it. You can watch it through in the traditional order. Yeah, wasn't that wasn't that an Easter egg yeah, on, it was, on yeah, DVD it was a, or something? Yeah, it's an Easter egg on the DVD. Yeah, and it's terrible. Yeah. Fight Club is one of those films that when you watch it the second time, really stands up because you do see all the clues. They are all yeah, there. They are, they are, yeah. Meatloaf's brilliant in that as well. Really <laughs> good performance from Meatloaf. He's good in the Celebrity Apprentice USA as well. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, I think that's about enough for this week. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, all I need to do is thank Steve Weathers. Typical. Even drug dealers don't work weekends. Mark Botwright. Ask me one on sport. And Ed Selly. Don't piss in my pocket and tell me it's raining. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest news, reviews and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Linton. Thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>